Let's get into the word tonight. If you could turn to Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to read the first nine verses. Galatians chapter 5, verse 9. Um, verses 1 through 9, excuse me. Reading from the New King James Version here. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right, Galatians 5, starting in verse 1, says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with the, a yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. Verse 7, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Amen. Tonight, I want to speak to us from this subject. The danger of becoming religious. The danger of becoming Religious. It's interesting tonight as Pastor was reading uh, that, that great prophecy to us from Pastor Elizabeth, uh, um, um, I'm sorry, Mom Alberta, excuse me. Uh, he, he talked about, he read a part about uh, uh, what happens and not, be, not becoming religious. There was something in there about that and I, I, I just... It's like, Lord, what are you seeing? Uh, because there's something that happens when we become religious. And we're going to find out tonight that becoming religious stands in the way of God's blessings in our lives. But the first thing I want to do is let's define religious. Religious in the Greek is... Race coats. And it means religious, careful of externals. Let me read that again. Careful of the externals of divine service. Y'all know what that means? It just simply means that that it's a it's a outward appearance. It is acting out something that may not necessarily be on the inside. Merriam-Webster defines religious as relating to 
or devoted to religious beliefs, here it is, or observances. You see, being religious is an act of, re, uh, uh, of uh, piety. Ritualistic piety. Uh, y'all know what I mean. You know, you know, you go some places, they know just when to clap. They know when to nod their head the right way. They know when to hold their head to the side and, and, and they look pious. Being religious, here it is, is attending church out of a sense of duty. It, 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 it's what my grandparents did. It, it, it's what my parents did, and so I do it. That's being religious. Uh, uh, but such uh, church attendance, it, it really lacks an authentic relationship with God. I, I'm coming out of duty not because I love Him, I'm coming out of duty, but not because I have a real relationship with Him. I'm coming out of duty. I don't want you to talk about me. I don't want you to think things about me. So I got to come to church. You see, but when we have a, here it is, a true relationship with God, we get excited about coming together in his presence. I say we get excited about coming together. No, 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 no. I, I, I don't know about you, but, but I have a hard time. I, after Sunday and I get home, I start counting the days. What day is it? Oh, it's just Monday. I'm ready to come back to the house of the Lord. I can't wait. I get up Wednesday morning. I'm like, today is the day I get to go to the house of the Lord. David understood the joy of authentic relationship with God. Look, look at this, and we're going to read something from Psalm 63, verses 1 through 5, and I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. This one really blessed me. He says, Oh God of my life, I'm lovesick for you in this weary wilderness. I thirst with the deepest longings to love you more with cravings in my heart that can't be described. Such yearnings grip my soul for you, my God. Verse 2, I'm energized every time I enter your heavenly sanctuary to seek more of your power and drink in more of your glory. For your tender mercies mean more to me than life itself. How I love and praise you, God. Verse 4. Daily I will worship you passionately and with all of my heart. My arms will wave to you like banners of praise. Anybody want to give the Lord a praise offering? Hallelujah. Verse 5 messed me up. He says... I overflow with praise when I come before you. For the anointing of your presence satisfies me like nothing else. I want to tell you that if you are feeling empty in your life, you need to get into the house of the Lord and give him some real praise. He says, your praise. I overflow with praise when I come before you. For the anointing of your presence satisfies me like nothing else. He says, 
You are such a rich banquet, a pleasure to my soul. Hallelujah. That's what it means when you come to the house of the Lord with authentic worship. Did I step on any toes? You see, there's something about coming to the house of the Lord in the right attitude. There's something about having the joy on the inside. In other words, when, when I come to the house of the Lord, I, I'm coming already filled with the spirit. I'm coming already with the joy of the Lord on the inside. And all that's happened is I'm throwing a fire stick on ready on a lit fire. That's what I love about coming to the house of the Lord. You see, David's response is the right response to a right relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. And if you don't have that, you can't have that type of worship that David was talking about. It's a relationship we must have. But here it is. Becoming religious will make one callous toward God's grace. And when you become callous toward God's grace, it impacts, here it is, your relationship and fellowship with the Father. So what are the dangers of becoming religious? Y'all ready? All right. All right, here it is. In verse 2, we see these words. Hallelujah, right there in verse 2. He says, indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, here it is, Christ will profit you nothing. You see, the first danger of of becoming religious is that Christ profits you nothing. In other words, when you become religious, when when, when that happens to you, uh, uh, Christ uh, uh, begins to not mean as much to you. When we become uh, that way, uh, uh, here it is, uh, 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 the first danger is uh, 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 Christ will no longer be of value to you. I know, I know, Paul was talking to the Galatians about the yoke of circumcision. I understand. Uh, And that equated to being religious for the Galatian Christians. All right, I I just want y'all to know, I I, I know what this says, all right? Uh, uh, The question with the Galatians was one of circumcision, here it is, as a condition of salvation. Somebody was telling them that uh, if you're really, really going to be saved, if you are really, really going to uh, be a Christian, uh, uh, you, you got you to gotta do what we did. You got to get circumcised. Oh, no, 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 no. It was a choice between salvation by law or salvation by Christ. In other words, they were trying to pull them back under the law. They were trying to make them religious. Uh, and so the choice of the law involved relinquishing Christ. It's either Christ or it's the law. It's Christ or the law. And, 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 and so religion began to weigh heavy on them. And Paul said, ho, 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 what are you doing? 
So for our lesson tonight, let me just set the stage. Circumcision is anything that we allow to impact our right relationship. That is our relationship and fellowship with Christ Jesus. And I'm going to explain that in a minute. But let me say it again. Circumcision, which is becoming religious, is anything that we allow to impact our right relationship with Christ, which is our relationship and fellowship with him. You have become religious. Your circumcision, here it is, it's you treasuring your title. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about here. I've been to some churches where people fight over their title. They fight over uh, uh, who, who, uh, uh, you led the song last week. I'm leading the song this week. I got a title just like you. They fight over all kinds of things uh, because they're fighting over their title. Here it is, uh, uh, that uh, uh, circumcision or, or becoming religious, you're fighting over your position in the church. You are treasuring your Position. You are treasuring your title. You are treasuring your educational achievements. You are treasuring your socioeconomics elite status. Oh, 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 that's not you? Here it is. When you... When you treasure your new hair when you treasure your new nails your new dress your new purse when you treasure your new whatever it is you have become religious did anybody miss it notice i said treasure There's a problem when we begin to treasure those things and lose treasuring what's really important. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When those things become what you treasure, you have become religious. Because, because, I, 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 listen, Pastor, I, 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 the songs sound good. The praise team, they, they really poured it out. But I, I can't move too much today because I, I just got my hair done. I'm going to sit in the back because I don't want these other sisters stepping on my new shoes. No, I I can't shake your hand. I had my nails done. You have become religious. You see, uh, 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 and when you treasure counsel with the ungodly, standing with sinners and sitting with scorners, When you laugh and mock those who come to church and give God all they have. Those who don't mind running around the church because they have joy on the inside. When you roll your eyes and say in your mind, it don't take all of that. You have become. 
religious. We look at people, they run around, we looking at them cross-eyed and hmm. We don't, we, we don't want nobody getting happy sitting next to us. We come to church, but we get upset when people get happy next to us. But baby, let me tell you, you don't know what she been through. You don't know what it took for her to get here. And I will not let you being religious stop me from praising God. If you're worried about me stepping on your toes, you better move your seat. You better move to the back. Don't stand in the row because I feel like running. You see, you can't be religious and in the right relationship with Jesus at the same time. When something loses its value, Right? When we have something and it loses its value to us in time, we put it to the side. We no longer look for it. We no longer carry it or observe it or we don't hang out with it. We still have it somewhere, but we no longer cherish it. And when we become religious, Christ loses his luster in our eyes and in our heart. We begin to cherish some other things. We begin to look at other things. So there are things of the world that begin to draw us. Christ, the hope of the world is no longer shining before us. And we will treat his sacrifice as nothing. As nothing. Let's look at Galatians 2 and 21. I'm going to read it in the Amplified Classic. Galatians 2, 21. Therefore, I do not treat God's gracious gift as something of minor importance. And defeat its very purpose. I do not set aside and invalidate and frustrate and nullify the grace. Unmerited favor of God. For if justification, righteousness, acquittal from guilt comes through observing the ritual of the law. Then Christ, the Messiah, died groundlessly and to no purpose and in vain, his death was then wholly superfluous. When we treat Christ as a leftover, when Christ becomes, here it is, when we become superficial, Christ becomes an afterthought to us. He becomes an afterthought to us. So, so, so we have to guard against evaluating Christ. Amen? Yes. All right. Okay. Wow. 
All right, let's look at this next one. Uh, uh, the second thing that we have to be careful of, the second danger of becoming religious, it's in verse 4. Right there, y'all going to see it right away. I'm not that deep. He says, you have become estranged from Christ. I told you I wasn't deep. Paul was telling the Galatians that they had disconnected themselves from Christ. Do, do you notice this? It, it, Christ was not the one doing the disconnecting. It was them. Look at your neighbor and say, it was them. It was them. It wasn't Christ. It was them. Look, at, I want to read this in, in, in the King James Version, that same verse. I love what it says. It says, Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law. Christ is become of no effect. Uh, uh, he's become of no effect to the religious. Uh, to become of no effect uh, in the Greek is the word katarageo, something like that. <laughs> and, and it means to be entirely idle or useless. Christ has become useless to you. <laughs> Literally or figuratively, it means to abolish, to cease, cumber, deliver, destroy, do away, become or make of no, none without effect. Fail, loose, bring or come to naught, put away or down, vanish away, make void. Religion makes Christ void in our life. So he says you have become estranged from, the, from Christ or Christ has become of no effect. Unto you. The religious make Christ void in their lives. This shows how those who become uh, a religious can find themselves in a state of estrangement uh -huh. or separation from Christ. Here it is. Wow. Um, when a marriage goes awry... When, when uh, and separation happens in a marriage, here it is, the marriage relationship is not severed. However, the marriage fellowship is severed. Remember I told you I was coming back to that? In other words, you're still married, but you aren't living like you are. Something is in the way of the marriage fellowship. And when you become religious, your becoming religious gets in the way of your fellowship with Christ. That's why you're estranged from him. In John 15 and 5, Jesus says this. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me you can do nothing here it is when we become estranged from Christ we are not bearing fruit 
We are not drawing anybody to him. When we become religious, hallelujah, the light of Christ that should be shining brightly in us, it's dim. People looking at you and they're wondering about you. They see you still got that Bible on your work, on your desk at work, but but they are not seeing the things that they they remember how their grandma used to live. They hear you having conversations with people that that they know they're saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled grandfather wasn't having. Do you know that when you become estranged from Christ, you'll start looking at stuff on your phone you ain't got no business looking at? Do you know that when you are estranged from Christ, you'll start listening to music with lyrics that you ain't got no business listening to? Do you know that when you become religious and estranged from Christ, you will start looking at stuff and people you ain't got no business looking at? And here it is. Christ know that you are estranged from him. He knows, he knows, he knows. Even when you come to church and act like you're not strange, he knows. He's saying, he's saying, your body is here, but your mind is on the other side of town. become estranged from Christ you put yourself in a place where you have ceased to be in that intimate relationship with Christ here it is and when you get there guess what you have now impacted negatively impacted the spiritual benefits you receive from him the Bible tells us to grow in grace and in the knowledge right of Jesus Christ right when you are estranged from him, listen, you can tell people that are estranged from Christ, uh, 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 this, 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 this. We were somewhere, I was at a, I forget where I was the other day, but somebody pulled up and, and they had a Bible on their dashboard. It was discolored. Looked like it hadn't been moved in about five years. The pages were all brown around it. I'm looking and I say, uh, uh, you aren't reading that Bible. Because when you are estranged from Christ, hallelujah, when you have become religious, you are not interested in getting close to him. When you have become estranged from Christ, you are not interested in hiding his word in your heart so that you won't sin against him. In the Old Testament, you know what God called that? He called them, he said, you are committing adultery. Somebody out there is committing spiritual adultery. 
I done said it, Pastor. They might, they might send me home now. You see, here's the thing. God sees our heart. He sees our heart. You might uh, think, well, uh, uh, nobody else sees me, but God sees you. Amos 3 and 3 says something that's so important. It says this. It says, can two walk together unless they are agreed? And, And let me tell you what. When you are walking the wrong way, Jesus ain't interested in walking with you. He's not interested in hanging out with you when you are hanging out with the wrong people. You see, sin can't hang out with righteousness. It just can't work that way. It can't work that way. And so we begin, we become messed up when we are disconnected from him. But here's the, here's the one last thing on that part. It says, uh, and I wrote here that when we are estranged from Christ, uh, our, total, our total prosperity is impacted. Spiritually, physically, and financially. Listen, when you walk away from Christ, he, ain't, he don't owe you nothing. God says in uh, 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 1 Samuel 2 and 30, he says, I will honor those who honor me. You ain't going to honor me. I ain't going to honor you. That's what he says. Amen. Amen. All right. The next one that we have to be careful of, that danger of becoming religious, here it is. It's also in verse 4. It's right there at the end of it. He says, you have fallen from grace. Now, now, just so you'll understand, the issue here is, is not the loss of your salvation. But can I just set the stage here? Can I set the stage? Uh, uh, I have been around uh, people who have uh, been near or in a fire. And even though uh, 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 the fire is out, guess what? When they come around, they still smell like they have been in a fire, right? And and let me tell you something. Uh, When you have fallen from grace here, okay, even though you don't lose your salvation, all right, what happens is, it's the Bible talks about this, that you make it into heaven with the smell of smoke on you. What the apostle is referring to here is the grace, uh, uh, not grace in the terms of salvation itself. Rather, he's referring to the method of salvation. In other words, when faith in Christ is no longer the central focus of our salvation, we have fallen away. When we worship the works we do instead of doing everything to the glory and honor of God and worship for him, we have fallen away. This is what it means to fall from grace. Here it is. You are saved by faith. Then you drop down to the law level to live. You drop down. Where walking and living by faith unlocks the doors and take us higher in Christ. Living at the law level makes us stagnant. 
A state of falling from grace is indicative of having strayed from our first love for Christ. In, in, in Revelation chapter 2, uh, Jesus addressed the church uh, in Ephesus. He, he told them, he, he said, I, I, I know your works. He told them he knew, he knew. So he saw what they were doing. He, he said they had done some good things, but, but, but there was one issue he had with them. It was right there in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. I'm going to read this in the Passion Translation. He says here, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. You have abandoned the passionate love. Hallelujah. It's time for us to begin to take an assessment of our love for Christ. It's time for us to begin to look on the inside and say, God, do I love you like when I first got saved? When you call me out of darkness into your marvelous light, do I love you that way? How was how, your love for Christ? How's your love for Christ? I can tell you right now that that uh, uh, for those of you who are married, you know how much you treasure. Here it is. You treasure your spouse's love for you. You know how important that is. Hallelujah. You know how how that makes you feel to know that your spouse loves you. and, 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 And you know what? Uh, uh, when, when, when that love seems to fade away when it seems like it's not the same begin to say things like I'm not that superwoman Brothers, that's for us. That's for us. How is our love? How is our love for Christ? Do we go back and assess it? Do we love him with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength? Do we love him that way or it's it's just a a casual love? Some of us, some of us, uh, uh, we we don't want to be, uh, can I say it, monogamous with Christ. We want to play the field. We, we, we only want to uh, uh, love Christ on Sunday when we come to church and, and, and Wednesday when we come to church because I got to look a certain kind of way. Can, can, can I say it? Uh, 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 that's, that's akin to, to uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, a husband taking his wife out and, and, and uh, when they go out to uh, a restaurant or something, uh, they want to they wanna show affection then. But, 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 but the rest of the time, it's like... It's akin to what God says. He says, you worship me with your lips, but your heart 
are far away from me. That's what it means. We're giving him, uh, we're we making him our part-time lover. We wonder why it seems that things aren't happening in our lives. Hallelujah. When, when he's a part-time lover to you, well, look, if, if okay, you give me, uh, let's say, uh, during the week you give me four hours. And you make me feel like uh, I ought to appreciate that. Well, then what do I owe you back? What if God chooses to say, well, then I'm only going to watch over you four hours out of the week. The rest of the time you are on your own. He says in verse five, think about how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works of love you did at first. Some of us need to go back. We need to go back. We got to go back to our first love for him. Otherwise, we will have become religious and fallen from grace. All right, let's look at our next one. I got to hurry right here. Okay. The next danger of becoming religious is right there in verse number seven. He says, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? And so when we become religious, guess what? We will be hindered from obeying the truth. Uh-oh, here's the real problem. Uh, uh, you have stopped obeying the truth of God's word. Uh, 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 in Galatians 3 and 1, Paul says something like this. He says, oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? He says, you were, you were giving the truth. You were listening to the truth. What has happened? Something has changed. But when we come to that place where we stop obeying the truth, we, we, we began to adjust the truth. Wow. Uh, uh, we, we, we began to massage the truth yeah. to make it fit us. Yes, we began to justify uh, uh, what we're doing uh, 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 and say, well, God really, uh, he didn't mean that. If he said it, he meant it. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Wow. Here it is. You have been listening to the wrong people. Before, he says, he says, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Uh, uh, you, you were running the race and you were running it well. Woo! You were running it well. But, but somewhere along the race path, you started running next to the wrong person. You thought they had more experience running this race. So you started listening to them. And what they said sounded good. To your flesh. 
Would y'all just hang with me for a minute? They, 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 they begin to talk into your mind. They begin to whisper in your ear. Uh, here it is. Uh, brothers, don't get mad at me. He says something like, uh, uh, bro, uh, you don't need to be in church all the time. In fact, in fact, me and you can head down to Rio de Janeiro away from these holy rollers and we can witness to some of the women down there. You know, you know we already saved in our spirit. So we are good. God knows our, our needs, if you know what I mean. And you listen to him. And, and then they say something. And didn't he say he will supply our needs? Our flesh is listening. Our flesh is listening. Before we know it, if we're not careful, we have gone down and booked our flight to Rio de Janeiro. Because we know, I know for sure Pastor John won't be there. That's right, he won't be there. But guess what? God is there. And sisters, don't get me started on y'all doing a stellar trip to Jamaica to get your groove back. I've been seeing some women, they are traveling together to these exotic places. They are leaving their husband's home. I wanna know what you're doing. I wanna know what you're doing. You down on the beach, and in the background is that muscle-bound man in the picture. What are you doing? And you better be careful. Sisters, you better be careful who you're traveling with. Because some of those sisters, they looking at you a different way. You better be careful of that drink they buy you. I'm almost done. I, I know y'all ready for me to quit. I'm almost done. You must understand that the enemy is after us. That's why he's doing everything he can. That's why he's sending out the lies. That's why he's got people whispering in your ear. While I'm at it, I might as well go ahead and get in more trouble. Young ladies, you better be careful who you talking to. You sitting around and you in church and you got your phone down here, you strolling around. You better be careful who, because I want you to know that Satan is very technologically savvy. He's looking for y'all. He's trying to mess you up. He's trying to send you a bozo when God wanna send you a Boaz. Young man, you better be careful. You better be careful. Delilah is out there. Delilah is trolling. She's trying to find out where your strength is. She wants to mess you up. 
you better be careful. Stop listening to the lies of the enemy. Get in tune to listening to Christ. I can tell you right now, you, only, you don't even have to listen long. You will know the devil right away. You will know him right away because he will say something that contradicts the word of God. You're going to have to block some people, tell some people to get stepping. You're going to have to tell some people, peace out. Stop listening to the lies of the enemy. I, I, I want to read Galatians 5, 7 through 9 in the Living Bible. We're almost done. Verse 7 says, you were getting along so well. Who has interfered with you to hold you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God who has done it, for he is the one who has called you to freedom in Christ. Verse 9, look at it. But it takes only one wrong person among you to infect all the others on that trip you're taking to the exotic island it only takes one on that trip to Rio de Janeiro it only takes one on that trip to the mall it only takes one It only takes one to infect you. You better be careful. So who are you hanging out with? Who's talking in your ear? Don't be hindered from obeying the truth. All right. So how do we overcome the danger of becoming religious? Let's go back to verse 1. Galatians 5 verse 1. He says this. Stand fast. Therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. In Christ alone there is freedom. In Christ alone can you have a relationship, a, a, a right relationship where here it is, you are in, in relationship and fellowship with him. Everything that is not of God is designed by Satan to enslave you. Do we understand that? Satan is out to enslave you, to get you locked into something. Sometimes it's a television show. You're going through the channels. It's 1130 at night. You can't sleep. And you pass by that one that says, naked and afraid. 
And as you try to go by, it seemed like the clicker won't allow you to pass by it. Satan is trying to enslave you. You watching Dancing with the Stars. What, 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 what are you looking at? Are you looking at the sensuous way they're moving? I'm telling you, I'm just trying to tell you how Satan will mess with you. You got to stand fast. You got to stand strong. You got to be careful just watching football. Because in football, the cameraman will go to them cheerleaders. And it won't take long before you're locked in. You better learn to look up and live. I'm just saying, you got to understand Satan is after you. And here it is. Satan knows that slaves do not get to enjoy what the master's children get to enjoy and inherit. That's why he wants to enslave you because he know what you can have and he know that if he can get you enslaved to sin, you forfeit. You forfeit it all. That's why he's doing it. So we must remain steadfast in the liberty or freedom Christ has given us. 1 Corinthians 15 and 58 says this. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast immovable always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord so let's get that in the passion translation I'm done he says so now beloved ones stand firm and secure live your lives with an unshakable confidence I know in whom I have believed. I know that he's able to keep what I have committed to him against that day. I'm going to walk in unshakable confidence in the liberty by which Christ has made me free. The reason I'm going to do it is because I know I'm free. Because whom the Son has set free is free indeed. He says, we know that we prosper and excel in every season by serving the Lord because we are assured that our union with the Lord here it is makes our labor productive with fruit that endures don't allow the enemy to make you become religious if we remain steadfast and unmovable and unshakable, we will not become religious. I'm free in Christ, but I shall not use liberty as an opportunity to sin. That becomes a problem. And we 
find ourselves on the road of being religious. So tonight, I pray that you will search your heart. You know where you're at. You know the caliber of your love for God. You know if you are walking with him 100%. Or you know if you're messing around on him. You see, the Bible says that the day is coming when we all shall stand before God. I don't know about you, but I want to hear him say, well done. Good and faithful servant. When we are faithful to him, well done. Hallelujah. Come on, let's praise God in this place. Oh, take me back. That's an old song by Andre Crouch. Come on. Take me back, dear Lord, to the place. I first received you where I first received you take me back take me back oh take me back take me back dear Lord where I, where I first believed first believed oh take me on back Take me back. Oh, I want you to take me back, Lord. Take me back, dear Lord, to the place where I first received you. Where I first received you. Take me on back. Take me back. Oh, take me back. Take me back, dear Lord, where First believe. First. How many tonight that song resonate that, that this song and the message I mean resonates in your spirit? If you'll be honest, if you do an honest assessment of yourself, I remember how and far I was 